Hello, I'm Andre De Silva. Uh, I'm a junior at UMass. I'm an anthropology major. Uh, I work with the Access UMass chapter of our Campus Access Network. Thank you for joining us. Um, can I ask you how you got involved with Access UMass? I understand it's your junior year, but it's the first year that this organization is on our campus. So how did you get involved? Yeah, so for me personally, um, I was never really big into any extracurriculars. I had done like one or two clubs here and there, but I was never a part of any uh, like recurring clubs here at UMass. Um, but at the beginning of last semester of my junior year, uh, I heard about the Disability Culture Club, the DCC, which is the only uh, recognized disability group that we have on campus. It's an RSO. Um, we meet on Fridays, by the way. Anyone's welcome to join. And it was, it's, a, it's a space for disabled students and non-disabled students to just sit and talk. We have like certain talking points and specific activities uh, depending on like when we're meeting or what's happening that day. Uh, but overall it's just a really chill place. Um, it's a place of community um, specifically for disability and that was the first time I really experienced uh, community. Halfway through last semester I developed a disability as I figure that out, um, having a community of other disabled people has been so important and so essential. The first thing that I noticed when I, I use a cane because, you know, it helps me walk. I need it to support myself. And the first thing I noticed were the stairs. I mean, at first I understood because it's not the kind of thing you see every day. You know, a young person using a cane isn't a very common sight. Um, so it was understandable, but eventually it got really tiring having to be on display. Um, Can you, so you've described stairs as being, you know, a, fig, uh, a physical obstruction, a hindrance to your, your, your daily life. Can you describe some of these other obstacles that stand in the way of these physical obstacles that stand in the way of accessibility and you know indicate to you that this university wasn't built with disabled students in mind oh yeah of course um so yes stairs are one of them uh, if you can't safely navigate stairs if you're using a wheelchair if you have uh, balance issues if you're using a walker or rollator um you'll quickly learn that this campus is not built for people who can't safely navigate or negotiate stairs. Um, another access barrier like that one are automatic door openers. Um, personally, I do not need automatic door openers, but a lot of people in our disabled community do need automatic door openers. And um, lots of doors on campus do not have them or they will have an automatic door opener, but then it just doesn't work. Or they, the front entrance won't have an automatic door opener, but then the accessible entrance will be all the way in the back and you'll have to go around the building just to find an entrance that you can get into if you need a door operator. And there, sometimes there's this mindset that these, these things like ramps and door openers are 
extra, but we all have needs. All humans have needs, much like you wouldn't build a door without hinges or a doorknob because then how are you supposed to open it? Well, for, you know, people who need automatic door openers, those are just as essential as doorknobs. So what are those, what are some of those services that UMass provides and where is UMass lacking in meeting the needs of disabled students? So some of the services that UMass does provide include disability services, which I'm sure many people are aware of. I can say right away one area where they are lacking is the staffing and funding for disability services. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that there are only a handful of people working at disability services who need to serve thousands of students on our campus. And these are, this is a, a big deal because these students need equal access to education. They need to have their needs met. And when you only have a handful of people working for thousands of students, that's just not sufficient. Um, another service is, I suppose, the Disability Culture Club, even though that is an RSO. For those who aren't aware, um, disability is indeed a culture. It is a cultural and social identity uh, for a lot of people. Surprise. Uh, so if you weren't already aware of that, or if that fact surprises you, then maybe uh, look a little more into this. Mm -hmm. You may be uh, uh, more surprised as to right. what you will find. Uh, yes, culture can form wherever there are shared experiences. And in the disabled community, there are lots of shared experiences. No two disabled people are alike. And it's this unique way of being that's at the intersection of this social identity uh, like I had mentioned before, there's the social aspect of all this, but then there's also a medical aspect. Um, mm -hmm. We're sharing, uh, sometimes we're sharing medical experiences, even though we all have different medical experiences, we can cope with it in different ways. And that's one way that the Disability Culture Club has been helpful. Uh, navigating the healthcare system as a disabled person is, uh, can be very difficult at times. That is just scratching the surface, but that's all I'll say about it. Using the things that you need, there's this feeling of being a burden um, that comes with either needing an assistive device or needing to take up accessible spaces, using a, uh, a, ta a table in the dining hall that's more... Uh, out of the way uh, of the other tables because uh, specifically at the Franklin Dining Hall, which is where I go, the seating situation there is very difficult to navigate. There are lots of tripping hazards. I've fallen or almost fallen multiple times there. And having an accessible table there that has a sign that says it's reserved for people with mobility needs, that's wonderful. It's a, it's a nice service to have, but there's a lot of shame that comes with using it uh, I personally just feel, again, there are all the stairs. There's the fact that since the entire dining hall is not easy to navigate and accessible, that this one accessible space is now singled out and feels like an oddity. And having, whew, almost every time I go there, uh, or more often than not, there are 
other people who invisible disabilities are a thing and I don't like assuming um, but a lot of people who most likely do not need the table who are using the table and you know sometimes especially for people in our community with social anxiety it can be hard to go up and kick someone out of their seat or ask them to move uh, because you need a table so sometimes we'll just go try to sit somewhere else uh, if that's an option um, but that in itself also creates this feeling of that these accessible spaces are treated as abandoned or empty um, that oh the disabled students are like these mythical creatures that only appear once in a blue moon that the, the wheelchair person or the cane person only shows up at that table every now and then so it's okay if I use it this one time but like we're here we're here all the time we're eating going to the bathroom using the showers all the time uh, these spaces these accessible spaces do need to be maintained and left available for those who need them um, I tried to take a shower I can't stand for long periods of time uh, so taking a shower while standing up is difficult for me and thankfully my dorm does have an accessible shower stall with uh, handles to hold on to and a shower seat that I can use uh, which was lovely I worked up the courage to use it for the first time the other day and I'm very proud of myself for doing that uh, but there was a vacuum cleaner and a ladder in the accessible uh, shower stall <laughs> like it was being used as a storage closet so I had to move the vacuum cleaner and ladder out of the shower stall just to take a shower, feeling like I was brushing the cobwebs off of this abandoned place that I needed to use. So those little messages, just send this, it sends this message that we don't think you're here. We don't think you're here often enough to maintain your spaces. So you're describing this feeling that exclusively accessible spaces exist but are somewhat confining in the sense that the rest of campus isn't as accessible as it should be. Um, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you attempt to integrate into other spaces on campus and then those, uh, you know, no. delineated, set aside as accessible exclusively Yes. accessible spaces uh you know are treated like abandoned or you know forgotten spaces um it it definitely is a self-fulfilling prophecy there is this vicious cycle of a space being inaccessible or where the accessibility is just very limited and then disabled students aren't going to use that space if it's not accessible if it's not safe for us if we just physically can't get in um, and then that creates this false image for the people who do use that space that, you know, disabled, they never see disabled students there. They never see them, so they don't get used to the sight of us. They don't get used to our presence, and they don't get used to us just taking up space. Uh, and then that creates this false image that we don't go there often or that we're not very common. But no, we're, we're all over the place. And yeah, and then there's this thought of, oh, well, since they're not here, we don't really need to make this space accessible. Right. Yeah, so I have 
seen in the past few weeks, uh, members of your organization um, taking up space, uh, the most recently at the uh, UMass Union's United rally, uh, where Maya spoke, uh, and you know one of her one of her grievances was ice on the road, um, snow piling up, making it making sidewalks, making uh, walkways completely inaccessible to wheelchair users. Um, can I just ask, uh, kind of as we're wrapping this up? Um, what some of the priorities that you've established are and kind of uh, what is more urgent? What Absolutely. So our main focus, our main urgencies are for safety. Um, we need places to be well lit. We need to be able to get into buildings that involves ramps and door openers. But I think before that, there are, are potholes in many of the sidewalks, which are dangerous for mobility aid users. Um, for people who have their mobility aids getting damaged, uh, stuck, uh, stuck on all the bumps and the cracks. Um, we have the, this outdated infrastructure that's maintained well enough for non-disabled people, but not well enough for disabled students or anyone who needs to use a mobility aid on that. Um, snow is definitely a big part of that. There's no excuse. We're an institution in New England. It snows here. It snows every year. Uh, we have snow plows. We have technology and equipment to plow the roads. Um, we give lots of priority to cars. Uh, if only we uh, shoveled pedestrian walkways as well as we shoveled the roads. Um, and that's the thing. We're, we have to work on a lot of these patchwork solutions. And that's really a, a symptom of a system that does not include disabled people in the design-making process. This isn't just an issue for disabled people. I'm glad that there are non-disabled allies who are willing to help disabled people. Um, but. Our fight isn't just our fight. Our fight is for everyone um, because most people, if you grow old, will become disabled at some point in their life. Um, the need for accessibility is universal. Um, we can't, the way our world is built right now, we can't all navigate it for the rest of our lives. Our needs will change. Um, and they I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but they can change unexpectedly. Uh, they changed unexpectedly for me. Allyship definitely plays an important role in all of this. Um, the burden of advocacy for any group who has to advocate for themselves, for any social group, the burden of advocacy should never just fall on that one group. Um, so we have seen lots of allies and non-disabled people who are um, you know, emerging and saying, how can I help? How can we make a difference? Um, they've reached out to us over social media, over our Instagram and over our TikTok. Um, and the support is really nice to have. It's nice to know that other people are listening, especially in a world that tells you that your needs are invalid.
You're listening to WMUA News.